coming today to show you the one of the many verses and passages that support our vision statement. And we find that in Revelation chapter 7, starting at verse 9. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's the vision. The reason we are empowered and passionate to go to our neighbors and the nations is so that we are part of the attendance that is captured in that vision that will be reality, that you and I, along with people from every nation, Philippines and Ghana, Tanzania, Malawi, Dhaka, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, the U.S., will be among those that could not be counted because it's such a multitude. And we're going to be standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's our vision right there. And this is why we're passionate because right now there's about 6 billion people that don't know Jesus that aren't part of that vision picture yet. In 1982, 2.5 billion were lost As we come into 2023, there are 6 billion people in the world that don't know Jesus. Among the 6 billion, just over half of them are what we call as unreached people groups. The distinction of an unreached people group is they don't even have a clear, adequate witness of who Jesus is. That the thought of John 3.16 that is just so ingrained in, in our culture, whether you believe it or not, You've heard of it. You're aware of it. Probably could quote it. An unreached people group, they have no clear, adequate witness. There's no Bible. There are no churches. There are no preachers. It it is an unreached people group. And so if you look at the massive number of people that are lost and they're, they're captured in blocks of Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, secularism, and it, it, it would look like we're losing. But I just want to tell you today that the Lord is the Lord of the harvest. He is the God of salvation. And Revelation 7 says he will gather to himself a multitude that no one could count. And I say by faith, I can acknowledge these facts of all those who are lost and still stand here and tell you the church is not losing ground. The church is gaining ground people getting saved every day, and we're going to work, come on, we're going to work until Jesus comes. We will be found advancing the kingdom through the grace that we have received, telling people about Jesus. This is why we will do the pastor's conference in Malawi, the pastor's conference in Tanzania. It's why we have opened a Bible training center in Dhaka, where one-third of one percent are Christian We will go. You can't make a difference unless you are willing to go. But pastor, the the nations are broken and the nations are raging. Do you see that? I do and we do. But we also see the one who's greater than the lostness. We also see the one who's greater than sin. He defeated it. Sin, Satan, death, and hell. And if we'll continue to lift his name, 
if we'll continue to go, give, pray, and serve, the number gathered around the throne will be influenced by the actions we take today. Give God a praise that we're part of something that's making a difference. Solomon Truno, who's right out here, part of our church, uh, he does a preaching ministry all across the world every week. Millions of people are now watching it. His home is Ethiopia. He turned his home into a church. It grew, and, and it's just spreading. And he lives every day with a passion to see from, from his personal passion for God a million people be converted into Christianity. That's fire. That's Acts chapter 2. That's New Testament. Church, I want you to capture something today that will have you saying, just let me have one more day, Lord. Give me another day, and I'll use it to honor and serve you. I want to show you Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For God to fulfill the vision of, of revelation, he has to be the God of Romans 5, verse 6. You see that at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's an awesome statement. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. He demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Put praise right there. That's the best news of the day. The reason that those captured in the blocks of Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, secularism, the reason there is a hope is because there is a friend of sinners. There is a God who's on mission to rescue the perishing. There is a God who's all about the redemptive business. And he has ordered his church, every church, to be on mission to share this love, this grace, this power of life change that comes through his death, burial, and resurrection. He is the Lord of the harvest. That's how there will be a multitude around the throne. But he's given us the seed of the gospel. And if we'll be faithful to sow the seed of preaching the gospel, living the gospel, going, giving, serving then the Lord of the harvest will take that effort. And though it may seem small against the massive number of those who are lost, when the Lord of the harvest places anointing on the efforts of the New Testament church, it multiplies. It's captured in how Jesus fed a multitude with just five loaves and two fish. When God breaks it, blesses it, it can spread and feed a multitude. We are part of the church. Now, we not only go because we have a God who's given us a clear vision, Revelation 7. We not only go because 
a God of a vision like that has acted in a way so that it's possible. He gave himself. We teach. We teach the word of God. We teach the truth. And the truth is like a seed. Let's talk about actual seed. Let's talk about germination for a moment. You take a seed and you put it in the ground. And if that ground is good, the nutrients of, of moisture, uh, the, the nutrients that come around that seed over time will open that seed. The roots will grow down and the sprouts will start coming up. And a seed, as small as it is, over time becomes a tree, a massive tree. Not every seed becomes a tree because not every seed is planted in good soil. Agriculturally, there is now what's called termination technology. And it's where they infect the parent plant in such a way that the seed that it produces is sterile. So you will get one harvest, but there's no power of reproduction. I would like to say in this hour, I hope that the Holy Spirit will take this and place a weight on it in, in this, this atmosphere, that we have Jesus who's given us the life-giving seed. Jesus from the book of Genesis all the way through has shown us that the power of Jesus is to give life and to reproduce life, reproduce life. Disciples make disciples who make disciples who make disciples so that we stand in a multitude, too many to count around the throne of God. But there is a demonic effort going on right now in this country it's happening around the world in different ways, but in this country, there is a demonic terminator theology trying to be injected into biblical theology. And if it happens, it'll sterilize the spirit-driven ecosystem of the local church, and we'll be just one generation away from extinction. You can see this effort being made by the efforts for churches to redefine marriage, for churches to redefine male and female. Notice I'm placing the emphasis on the church. I would expect the world that doesn't know God to keep, according to the scripture, inventing ways to do evil. That, that goes with the territory of lostness, but what I'm talking about is what is going on in the church world where people, churches are welcoming progressive theology and it is altering biblical theology. And so you have churches, even in this community, that will fly the pride flag. And I wanna just be very clear that if we allow a progressive theology to be injected into biblical theology, then we will not reproduce life. I don't care how the culture would make us think. What I'm saying to you today, the culture would say I'm being bigoted and imperial instead of being biblical. But there's gotta be a New Testament church that will passionately hold and declare 
a voice of truth. And a voice of truth is a voice of clarity. A voice of truth is a voice of clarity. A voice of truth is a voice of clarity. Clarity in all this confusion. Clarity in all of this demonic effort to sabotage a generation. To make us, God forbid, look at the next generation as a problem to solve. The next generation is not a problem to solve. They are an answer if they're raised in a home of a spirit-empowered ecosystem, of a spirit-empowered New Testament church that creates an ecosystem of the presence of God and the word of God, discipleship and mission, they become the answer in this hour. Instead of us worrying that the world is at its worst, we're talking about how the church is at her best. I want to stand with excitement and faith. I'm glad I live here. I'm glad I live now to step into this cultural moment and say, we will not sterilize the word of truth. It is the way of freedom. It is the way of hope. It is the way of clarity. It is the way of identity. It will set you free. It's everything you've ever wanted and even more. Come on, church. We believe in Jesus. We believe in the word from Genesis to Revelation, and it will set the captive free. Yes, it will. Praise him if you want to. Praise him if you believe it. I believe it to the core of my being. I believe it. And, and, and so to the person who was sitting here in a recent service and took out an envelope and left it for me about trans rights. I get that. And I'm glad you're here because our gospel never, never shuns questions. Our gospel doesn't shun discovery. And we're not mad at anybody and God's not mad at anybody. Jesus is a friend of sinners. But there's gotta be somebody who'll stand up in your life and love you enough to tell you that there is a truth and it's not a concept, it is a person and he would love to radically change your life and let you know a joy and a freedom and a security and a confidence like you've never known before. So what I'm saying spiritually, this, this is the hour where your heart and your home, the spiritual health of your heart and home has never been more important. And the spiritual health of the church has never been more important. Because not every seed becomes a tree, and the difference is the soil, the ecosystem. And we have a mandate from the Lord in our hearts and homes and in this church to create that spiritual ecosystem where these 730 saplings that we will minister to over the next few days can come into a spirit-empowered ecosystem where there's presence, truth, and purpose. Where they can hear who made them and that they're wonderfully made. They can hear about the one who loved them and loved them enough to die for them and to give life and life to the full. The one who has plans for them to give them a future and a hope. The one who's put out into their future 
the plans that they are going to fulfill as they walk in those ordered steps. And with this demonic terminator technology theology, we stand and we create an entirely different environment. That is why we're not going to see millions of people deconstruct because we're going to have a spirit-empowered ecosystem that makes God undeniable, that makes his power personal. And we're not just going to come to church to talk about Jesus. We're going to come to church and actually meet with Jesus. And Jesus is not going to be relegated to just this room He's going to be the one who will walk with you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. He's the one that will be central. You see, sometimes the devil just goes too far. And we say, enough is enough. We know this. You've got to have a righteous indignation stirring within your spirit with what's going on. But you can't turn that anger to go against people of which Jesus is a friend to. The whole idea of Jesus being a friend to sinner, it, it plays out, he goes to Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, as evil as evil could get. He extorted people, and Jesus made an appointment to encounter him, to go to his house, and to radically change his life. Jesus went to the woman of Samaria. She didn't find him. He found her. He found woman of Samaria. In that culture, with what was placed upon a woman, Jesus is taking and showing his love. Samaria, they were just marked off. Nobody cared about them. The disciples said, oh, let's go around. The disciples said, let's go around Samaria. Jesus said, no, we're going. I have an appointment. And you see Jesus living as a friend of sinners with Zacchaeus and the woman of Samaria that everybody had written off. You say, Jesus, he feeds 5,000 through a miracle, gets on a boat, and the boat docks in a cemetery where's a man who's out of his right mind. Nobody had a response, but the power of God had a response the culture had no response. The community in all of its education and all of its programs, here's a young man whose parents have to be heartbroken every night as they go to bed. Their son is out of control, living in a cemetery, possessed by the devil. Many demons, the Bible says, and when Jesus shows up, the demons in a moment, there's no struggle, there's no fight. He's the victor. The demons flee. And that young man was put in his right mind. Oh, can you imagine a knock at his door and his mom and dad open the door and it's their son. It's their son who has been changed. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. And that is the charge to the church to create such an ecosystem that it's life-giving, it's for flourishing, thriving, overcoming. I stand in direct opposition to this generation being marked as the generation of anxiety. I think that they can know peace. 
and they can know power. And when you look in the eyes of the next generation, instead of seeing anxiety, fear, insecurity, intimidation, I pray that we'll create such an ecosystem spiritually that when you look in the eyes of the next generation, you will see peace and you will see power. You will see the peace of God and the power of God that has set a generation loose to be Daniels in a Nebuchadnezzar world. You'll find them saying, I am not going to defile my, my relationship with God to just go along in order to get along. I can stand in my sanctification and still be in the mainstream making a difference. I can live in such a way. You try to ban prayer, I'll pray anyway. You say, it'll take my life. I don't want a life apart from prayer. And as was his custom, he reoriented himself toward Jerusalem and he sought God. He got thrown in a lion's den. It wasn't Daniel in the lion's den. It was the lions in Daniel's den. And God said, lion, you touch him, I'll cancel you like beauty and the beast. I'm telling you, there is no God like our God. There's a Daniel generation that is coming up because there's a spiritual ecosystem that is going to allow them to thrive and to flourish. I came here to fight today for the next generation. They're not a problem. They are an answer. They are what God is doing next. God always has a next. God always, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God always has a next. They are not a problem. They are next. Give God a praise. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the way this works, the way this works is we don't, we can't sit back and just think that's going to happen. No, every time you worship, you're impacting the ecosystem spiritually. When you serve, when you give, when we take an offering at the end of this service, which will be around 2, 2.30, by the way, it's going right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Who said that? They, you, man, I love you. It may just be the two of us, but we'll keep going. So, when you get out a checkbook, now the phone, and you give, you're empowering the ecosystem spiritually. A thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. I call us church to, to be passionate worshipers because we, we are watched and we are seen expressing passion to what matters to us. Make sure that your passion reveals your heart for God when we're worshiping. Back in the day, Somebody would say worship was just preliminary. The devil is a liar. Worship is never preliminary, like just a, a, a filler of space and time until the preaching. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no. Come let us exalt his name together. You, you ought to fight for the front row. And I'm talking about just, you ought to bring, bring out 
all that the worship team has. Because I'm telling you, the more you engage, the more there, it just works that way, doesn't it? Just works that way, doesn't it? Like we know that. We know that church. I I got a, a clarion call from the Holy Spirit today. We have an opportunity. God is giving us 720, 730 kids. How many families is that? Let me ask a question. If you were saved as a child and it resulted in your parents getting saved, would you raise your hand? Anybody in the room? You got, right, right here. You got saved as a child. Then your parents got saved. Anybody else? Yeah, back here. Okay. So we have 730 kids. How many of those kids will be the reason? Come on. What kind of harvest? Come on, what? The Lord of the harvest. Put up for me Jeremiah 17. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. How's that even possible? Possible. It's a different ecosystem because you can't thrive and flourish in drought. You can't thrive and flourish in excessive heat. You can't do it. You're going to fail to bear fruit in that ecosystem. But there's another one. There's a spirit empowered. We are culture within a culture. We are in but not of. Our support, our power, our our guidance, our counsel, it comes from a whole different source. And so by the spirit and the word, there is this resource and provision for flourishing. When everything around us says there should be dying we're thriving. There should be death happening, but there's life and life and life. That's the power of the seed in the right soil. The devil doesn't have a chance. The six billion is not too hard for God. Get ready. You're going to be at that throne and you're going to be looking around. You say, this is what we talked about. We talked about this in June at church. Look at what God, look at the Lord of the harvest. I conclude today with the worship team coming. We should not try. So everyone has heard this word. It's a word of grace. It's a word of the sacrifice of Jesus. 
is the word of him standing, pursuing, his mercy knocking at the door of your heart. In closing, I want to say the culture we're living in, I'd say for us to try to make converts is too imposing, it's too intrusive. But those of us who've been radically resurrected from a life of sin and knowing, we know, we know, we know, we know we've been rescued from hell. (laughs) Therefore, we evangelize. We make disciples. We call to repentance. We tear down idols. We call people out of darkness in and unto the marvelous light. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place like a thick cloud, it's just settled in upon our hearts to remind us that his heart is for the whole world. His heart is for everybody. People are dying every second. We know that by, by statistics. So that's 86,400 people die every day. <laughs> and many of them step into a Christless eternity. That is why we must be urgent, passionate, and faithful. That is why we are people of mission, and we have to make sure there is no apathy or atrophy where we drift from mission. We stay poised, prayed up, focused, diligent, engaged, involved, If you don't know Jesus, oh, today is a day of salvation for you. If your heart has grown cold, today is to have your heart reignited. I just want to ask right now, while you're sitting in the presence of God, you say, Pastor, I must be saved. I've got to get saved right now. I need the Lord to forgive me, and I need a relationship with Jesus. Just raise your hand. Say, "That's, that's me, straight up. That's me. Raise it quickly. I'm going to see it. I'm going to pray for you. That's me. Secondly, we're going to do some missional praying. If you're going to serve all of these kids that are coming to our campuses for Surge, if you're going on one of these mission trips, I want you to stand and come and stand across the front of the auditorium. Clap it up as these go. And you can face the congregation. Come on, keep clapping. This is amazing. That's it. Keep clapping. That's it. That's it. This is the church right here. This is why the devil is on the losing side. Because we've got people who are making a difference. Come on. Let me tell you what you're seeing. These uh, kids that have come in, they're standing across the front. These are fourth and fifth graders because we start our mission trips at the fourth grade. And these kids are going to go serve Jesus on a short-term mission trip. And then you see a bunch of teenagers. Many of these kids in a few weeks are going to be moving into the youth ministry. And there are three levels to the missions initiative within our student ministry. So you go farther, stay longer, the older you get. So we'll have a team in Houston of students, a team in LA, and a team going to Tanzania. 
So here you have our effort to live up to the vision of neighbors and nations. 730 kids, six trips. Would you pray with me, everybody? God, I pray for this team. They will be used as a catalyst between you, a gracious God, and a person in need. And your grace and mercy will pass through their heart, their story, to that person who needs to know you. And you, the Lord of the harvest, will be raising people to spiritual life through the ministry of all of these people. God, generations will be changed. Households will be changed. God, this can change communities. This could change nations. I thank you for these kids that are going. I thank you for these students who are going. I thank you for the adults who are going. I thank you for this massive team that's going to make this week of surge happen. We give you praise. And God, we ask that you would anoint us with your Holy Spirit so that we can be change agents. We can be difference makers. And we give you all the honor and the glory for that. And everybody said, let's praise the Lord as these take their seats today. Hey, let me, hey, uh, Pastor Crystal, I have all the kids just sit right here on the steps, just the kids. Kids, you can just hang out right here for a minute. So let me be very clear now on this next part of our altar call. It's where we're going to give. Be very clear. We give to neighbors and nations, and this is going to help us accomplish the initiatives of summer missions. Number one, we got to pay the balance of the cost of surge. 730 kids, that, that's a huge cost. And so we step in missionally and help solve that financial need. Simultaneously, just outside of Dallas, there is a camp going on for foster kids. Pastor Brian Jarrett leads this. It's phenomenal. They do four weeks. It's a huge cost of all that they provide. There's therapy and the gospel is preached. And while we're doing surge, we will underwrite the full cost of this last week of camp in Dallas under his leadership. We will do a pastor's conference in Tanzania. That conference will cost $3,000. It will underwrite the cost of getting those pastors there and all the resources that they will be given. I'll be leading the pastor's conference in Malawi. It's $5,000. We have 300 pastors coming from across Malawi. We help them make their journey. Uh, Motorcycles, vans, rickshaws, everything it takes to get them there. All the food while they're there throughout the day. They're so hungry for the gospel. And so under the leadership of John and Darlene, right over here, we will host that conference. John, Darlene, would you stand? We just want to say thank you for your heart for God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We will be on the 84-acre campus there in Malawi that is the home of many children who once were orphaned but now are in a place of family and the gospel and and education, everything they need. Along with that, we're gonna do this pastor's conference. So that'll be happening. In DACA, we will do phase two of the Bible training center that we started on last year. 
And in August, hear this, 80 young adults who feel the call of God to full-time ministry will come to that campus and they, for the first time, will be trained to go out and plant churches. And you opened that Bible training center. It's amazing. So I've just put in front of you about $63,000 worth of summer missions. That All of that I've told you is going to happen literally over the next four weeks. So this offering just says paid in full. We're going to pay for it. So as the ushers come today, I want you to look on the screen. This is where we show the next generation. We take out our phone and we use these resources and we give. If you are using the online resource, when you go there, you're going to see very clearly where you can pay tithe. And then you're going to see a neighbors and nations line. And that's where you put in an amount. And that amount will go 100% to everything we've talked about today. So everybody, please take advantage of that. If you're writing a check, one check, you just memo what's tithe. In the memo, you put what is neighbors and nations. You can use the envelope there in the the seat. And we're going to believe God. Here's our vision, church. These kids right here will become oaks of righteousness. Amen? Oaks of righteousness. You know, in that passage, it talks about oaks of righteousness. You know what it says they'll do? It says they'll rebuild cities. Rebuild them. Out of the ruin, they will raise up once again. See, they're not a problem to solve. They're the answer. My God. I, I've never been more excited. So I need you to participate in this day. Everybody's standing with me. Lord, I pray over this offering. I pray that you would just stir our heart. This would be an incredible response of generosity. And that, Lord, it's one way we're saying, I'm all in to make this spirit-empowered ecosystem so awesome that the seed will flourish. The seed will flourish. Give you the thanks for it. And everybody said.